Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Well, good morning. Happy 4th of July weekend to all of you. I know we've got a lot of folks that are out of town. We've got some probably visiting here today. We want to welcome you. Welcome all of you who are watching online or listening by podcast as well today. And speaking of the 4th of July, we want to remind you, of course, as you've already been reminded, that uh, we have our big Freedom Fest on Tuesday night. We hope that you'll be here. Bring somebody with you. Invite your uh, friends, family, neighbors, anybody that you can to come. Be a part of what's going on. It's literally going to be a blast. Okay, it's going to be a good time. We're going to have free food, a lot of fun, great fellowship time, and then the fireworks are going to be incredible. And if you're going to be helping me out with fireworks, we've been kind of on a break here for a couple of weeks, but if you were going to help me and you're here today, come see me after the end of the service so I can tell you a couple of things that we need to talk about. Well, the 4th of July also signals that we're only one month away from school starting back, Right? All the teachers are like, ugh, all right, no, you're excited, you know you are. But, uh, you know, it does also mean the start of a new church year, really, when we start back up all of our children's programs with our GROW program, we start things back up with our youth, which, by the way, if you missed last week, we officially voted for our new youth search team committee, and I want you to be in prayer for this team as they continue to look for God's next staff person for us. That's a very important role. Who's going to lead our teenagers, our young people uh, in the days and years ahead? So uh, just be in, in prayer for them. But, uh, but they're doing uh, work and they are looking at resumes and uh, contacting people. So we, we know God's next person is, is somewhere out there. And so we're just praying that God will lead us to them. <clears throat> As I thought about gearing up for the new year, you know, I got pretty excited about it. But truthfully, uh, the past couple years have been pretty challenging, right? And I don't think they've just been challenging for me. I think they've been challenging for all of us. And not just here at Eastern Heights and you personally and your own family, but I, I really feel like coming out of a pandemic, it's been pretty challenging for the last couple of years for the whole world. And so um, what it did, it kind of confirmed three things that my six decades of life have kind of taught me, and that is, first of all, life is hard, right? And we preached about that a couple weeks ago. Life is hard for everybody. And, you know, if you think it's not hard on everybody, and you're looking around, you're looking at people going, well, their, their life doesn't look too bad. They look like they kind of got it easy. The problem is you, you, you haven't seen all the way into their life because I promise you everyone's life has seasons in it that are extremely difficult. And I think it's that way with churches as well. And that leads me to the second thing I've learned. That is the healthiest people I know are able to find joy and peace in the hard season and not just on the other side of the hard season. Okay, That is, they can have joy and peace without having to get to the other side of it. They can have it while they're going through it. And the reason why is the third thing I've learned, and that is that these people have put their faith They've put their hope in someone or something that remains unchanging. That even during that hard season, it is unchangeable, this someone or something that they have put their hope in, right? And for us as Christians, that hope is the I am. Not the I was or I might be, but the I am. So I'm reminded of what A.W. Tozer wrote, that great uh, pastor. He said, 
What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I think he's spot on during that hard season, during that tough time that you're going through. The single most important thing is what do you think about God during all of it? What are you thinking about God? And so as a church body, God led me to have us think about it as a church body, about who God is. And when I did this, I continued to get excited about the fresh start in the new year. And so we're going to start this new series today called Who Are You? And it's based on the popular song, the chorus of it that we just sang, right? That reminds us that our God is a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. And he's the light in the darkness. Because again, if you're taking notes, write this down. What matters most is the way we think about God. So is he a way maker? Is he a promise keeper? Do you believe that? Do you think he's a light in the darkness? Things get pretty dark sometimes, right? Where's our light? What do we think about God is what matters most. So each week I'm going to take a story out of the Old Testament and we're just going to talk about who God is, right? Today we're going to look at the story that's very familiar. It's the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. It's one of my favorite stories. And, you know, you talk about people that knew hard. These guys didn't just know a year or two of hard. They knew centuries of hard. They'd had it hard for a very long time. What they didn't know was what to think about God. Until one day, God showed up at a burning bush to Moses. says, Moses, I need you to go take a message to Pharaoh. I need you to go tell him to let my people go. And Moses says, say what? He said, I can't do that. I don't have what it takes. I'm not enough. And God says, it doesn't matter what you have and who capacity the message that he needed to take to Pharaoh and whoever else needed to hear it. So Moses went to Pharaoh, and so a match is set up. We're fixing to have it go down, right, between I can see how God delivered them, not just once or twice, but over and over and over again. But for right now, we're just going to have to take a little chunk of it, okay? But here's what happens. The match begins. It's a 10-round match. And for each round... God takes the God who's supposed to be delivering the I am Pharaoh and he just wipes it off the, off the chart, right? He just kind of sweeps up the mat with them a little bit. And then we get to round 10 and God is going to go for the knockout. It becomes very clear to us that Moses, he's not the way maker. He's just the voice of the way maker, right? And so Moses announces how the final round is going to go down. He says to the people of Israel, he said, I want you to go get a, a lamb, not just any lamb, but a perfect lamb, a lamb that is, out, that is without defect. And I want you to take the blood of that lamb, and I want you to sprinkle it on your house because God is going to sweep through Egypt tonight. And any house that doesn't have this blood sprinkled on it is going to experience death, and that's exactly what happened. And so it was so bad, as you can imagine, the death that came over that land that night. The next morning, all the Egyptians got up and said, hey, take, take everything, man. Take all of our stuff, take our food, take our water, take our animals, take our money, take our weapons. Just take it and get out of here. They were ready to see him go, right? Look what it says in Exodus 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh finally let his people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward 
the Red Sea. You ever wonder why you might be going in a roundabout way to, to something? It may not have nothing to do with you. God led them. So even though they've got all the equipment they need for war, they, they don't know how to use it. They're not ready for war. So God says, you know what? Let me take care of this for you. I'll do the fighting for you. Look what happens in Exodus 14. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and count by Pahirahirath between Migdal and the sea. By the way, it takes years of seminary to learn how to say that. And I like to say it so much, I'm going to say it again in a minute. Camp there along the shore across from Baal's Ephon. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. I have planned this. Why? In order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. So here, here's what God did for this final match. He had to march basically into a geographical cul-de-sac, right? Where there's wilderness on one side, there's the mountains on the other, and then there's the sea to deal with. I mean, they're basically trapped from a military perspective. It's, not, it's, it's the worst possible place they could have camped of all the places out there. And so Pharaoh goes, oh, okay, I see what they've done. He says, they're confused. They're messed up. I mean, they've trapped themselves. They have no clue what they've done. They're sitting ducks. And so he got all of his army together. He started rounding them all up to chase after them because he thinks they're hemmed in. They have no way out. But guess what? They had a way maker on their side. And they had somebody who welcomes the impossible as a way to display his glory. And we're going to see that. So here, here's what we're going to do. It's a very familiar story. I know we all know it. But I'm going to read it again. It's going to take just a minute to get through it. But I think it's so important to see how that God made a way where this way was impossible. And it's important for us to see it in our own lives today. So chapter 14, verse 5. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all these Israelite slaves get away, they said. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots and his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near, here it is, Pahirahirath, across from Baal Zephon. So this is exactly where the God had told them to go. And they were trapped, they're hemmed in, there's no way out. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and they panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, and, and I want you to notice here, this is what desperate people do. They cry out to God and then they blame other people. And that's exactly what they're going to try to do here. They're going to try to blame this all on Moses. Look at it. Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough grace for us in Egypt? I mean, griping. Why have you done this to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Complaining? Didn't we tell you this would happen? I told you so when we were still in Egypt. I told you this was going to happen. We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. And I just want to pause to point out how comfortable we as humans get with being in bondage and being slaves to things in our life 
that God doesn't want us to be slaves to. We get comfortable with that. They said, just let us be slaves. Verse 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians will see... The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Now, God is fixing to do something. He's about to make a way that no one, no one would have ever imagined or seen coming, right? He told Moses, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. And then he tells us why he's going to do it this way. Verse 19 of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. All right? And I hate to keep pausing here, but I'm afraid I'm going to miss important stuff. All right? And he's got your back. You don't have to worry about it. Verse 20. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. Because, see, that would have been a perfect time to attack, right? But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with the walls of water on each side. God, man, I'd love to see that. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's armies, uh, horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side... The Lord said to Moses, verse 26, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians in their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. I mean, come on, they need to make a movie out of this, right? Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And that is who the Lord is. Can I get amen? amen. You see, God doesn't give us a great big commission and then abandon us. He doesn't do that. So this is big, and you need to get this, folks. You see, when a believer or when a church decides this is the direction God wants us to go, we can go in that direction with boldness and confidence, knowing that God is going to guide us and he's going to provide for us, folks. And not only that, he is going to empower us in our pursuit of what he's called us to do. And even when it seems impossible to accomplish the task, guess what? God will make a way. God will make a way, folks. Can I get another amen? I mean, come on. That is who you are. And that's what we need to hear about today. And maybe that's why we're going through a difficult time, 
a difficult season is because God's going, you know what? I don't want Eastern Heights to get any of the glory, any of the people over there. I, I, want, I want to get the glory. And so when it happens, that's exactly who will get it. See, God's going to make a way because that's who he is, and that's what he does, right? So let's just lean into that for just the next few minutes, and let's talk about how, to, how does that apply to us practically today as God's people, all right? Well, here's the first big truth. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, write this down. God sometimes makes a way by not letting us go the way that we want. Did you get that? Yeah, let me say it again. God sometimes makes a way by not letting us go the way we want. He'll make the way, it's just not the way we want to go. You see, it says that God didn't lead them down the main road, even though it was the shortest route. And man, don't we Americans love a shortcut. I mean, we'll go five times around the long way thinking we're taking a shortcut. We love shortcuts. But we're reminded today that one of God's greatest graces is that sometimes he takes us on detours that we didn't plan on. Right? Because the truth is, we way overestimate our capacity to always make good choices. We do. <laughs> we may not admit it, but we, we do. We, we, we think we were making the right choice. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. So sometimes we're thinking we're choosing the right way, but God has to step in and go, uh-uh. Now, my dad used to paraphrase this to me. If he said it once, he said it a hundred times. He said, son, you're headed down a dead-end road that's going to lead you to nowhere. That, that was beyond King James' version. That was, Daddy, that was Daddy John's version, right? And I mean, how many of us can look back and we can say, you know, you know what? We thought we were choosing the right way, but now that I look back, I can see how wrong it was. I can see how wrong it was. And, and see, that's the thing. You've got to know when you start walking with God that there are going to be times when the right place and the right time is actually going to feel like the wrong place at the wrong time. That's just going to be the way it is. But you ask any believer who's walked with God for a little while, and they'll tell you there are times in their lives when they can look back and they can say, now, now I see what I couldn't see before. Because hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Anybody's walked with the Lord long at all, they'll tell you. I can look back and see now. And praise God, he took me on a detour. And he didn't let me go the way that I wanted because, man, it would have been really messed up, worse than it is. And so now I can praise you, Lord, now because of what I didn't see back then that you were doing. You know, it's been true in my life. I praise God God didn't let me marry every little girl I had a crush on all through high school. But he made me wait on something better. He made me wait on a man that's worked out pretty good. Right? Or did you know that I was looking for a job when Eastern Heights got my resume through a friend who was attending church here at that time? Now, see, the recession was going on. And so churches were very afraid to hire anyone. And so I had resumes out all over the country. I had 30-something, 35 years of experience. Years, You know, hey, will you come to our church? No, I'm happy where I'm at. Now, I can't work in just so I can pay my bills, even if it's not there, if it's anywhere secular. God, you person. God, if you just give me a job so I can pay my bills. And so, yes, it was a difficult time. And you know what? You know what Home Depot and Lowe's did? 
They turned me down. 23 times. 23 no's I got from Lowe's and Home Depot. Alone, not counting all the other places I had resumes at. And so, yes, I felt rejected. I could not see at all what God was about to bless me with when he brought me here to Eastern Heights. I couldn't see it. But that's how it all got started. God put me on detours in my life until he could get me on the road that he actually wanted me to be on. And I praise God for that. So God isn't going to lead you to the easiest path. He's going to lead you down the path that's going to grow you the most. And I believe that's what's going on with our church today, folks. I believe that's why God has led us to this series. He wants us to understand that we're not on the easiest path, but we're on the path that's going to grow us as a church into what he wants us to be in the days ahead. Which leads us to the second truth, and it's kind of a counterbalance of the first one, and that is this. God sometimes makes a way by taking us through what we want to go around. Because there we are again. We don't want to go through something. We just won't go around it, right? But when you're walking with God and an obstacle comes in the way, we need to understand that isn't necessarily a sign that we're off course. But that's what we think, isn't it? We start out in a direction we think God wants us to go, and the first time we hit some kind of obstacle, we go, oh, well, shoot. Man, we must have missed God's calling because if, if we were on God's path, this, we wouldn't have run into any trouble. Well, when did God say there wouldn't be trouble? Moses still had to raise his staff. You know, the sea still had to part. They still had to walk through it. I mean, can you imagine walking through that thing? That tunnel, that wall of water? And you're going, okay, God, this is a lot of trust here because that water comes down, I'm dead. But they had to walk through. So God didn't say he'd make it easy. He, he said he's going to take us through it to grow us. And so what God often calls us to, he wants to take us through and sometimes he calls us to a path so he can take us through it in order to grow us up a little bit because he can see a way to the other side that we can't see Psalm 77 19 says your road led through the sea your pathway through the mighty waters a pathway no one knew was there you see God can see what we can't see folks and so sometimes when he's taking us through something there's something on the other side he's wanting to get us to and why does he do it that way? That's a good question. Because I, I, most of the time, I'd just rather go around it. There's two ways to get rid of a, a stump in the, in the pasture, right? You can take a stick of dynamite and you can blow it out of there. But then you've got a big hole in the ground and you've got debris everywhere you've got to clean up. Or you can just plow around it. Well, guess which way is the easiest way? But God sometimes blows the thing out and has to do some cleanup. Because, see, God knows a way through and he's going to lead us through that. And the reason he's going to do that it's because he wants you to have a greater dependence on him. A greater dependence on him. Brother Paul, he had a pretty rough year, right? We talked about him a couple months ago. He had a rough year one time. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. I mean, that's a tough year. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who, by the way, raises the dead. 
So we quit relying on ourselves. We started relying on the one who can raise the dead. Because, you know, I can't raise the dead, but he can. So if I rely on him, I'm in better shape. So why did God take you to the Red Sea? Because God knows you're never in more of a desperate place in your life than when you quit being desperate for God. You see, when you quit being desperate for God, he'll take you to the sea so that he can turn you back around. And you'll be desperate for him. So God's going to make a way by taking you through what you wanted to go around. That's why you're going to have the sea moment so he can build up your faith muscles a little bit. But that's not what we're praying, right? We're praying, God, I don't want it anymore. I don't want to go through this anymore. Get me out of it. And God says, no. I'm going to take you through it so you can get something out of it, right? See, there's this level of faith and growth and courage and things that he wants to build inside of us that he can't develop unless he's taking you through it. If he takes you around it, it's never going to happen. There was a study done in City University in London of many, many successful People And it was surprising what they found. They found an overwhelming number of these successful people. They had learning disabilities. And so they came up with two explanations that might be the reason why they were successful. Number one, they were either so smart or creative that they overcame their disability. Or number two, more likely, that their disability caused them to develop strength and skills and capacities that helped them to become an achiever and successful. And so, see, Paul comes along and says, God, I hate this storm. I am tired of it. I don't want to go through this storm anymore. Take it away. And God says, no, I'm going to take you through it because in the midst of it, you're going to find a level of grace in me that you would never get through anything else. You see, God doesn't give us grace instead of a trial. He gives us in his heart. The thing that inspires me the most is what I call testimonies, where you went to the doctor and they found a spot on your lung. And so you didn't have to go through cancer. God took you around it, right? And I praise God for those around it testimonies. I mean, they're wonderful, but the truth is, if I'm in the middle of it, what's going to speak to me when it's really tough and the people that I want to talk to are the people that's got the through it testimonies, the person that's gone through the cancer the person that's gone through the not having a job, the person that's gone through the hard marriage, who's gone through the tough relationship, who's gone through the addiction, who's gone through the family crisis. That's the testimony that's going to inspire me the most. So don't be resentful, folks, when God takes you to something that you don't see a way through because God's going to use you. And understand, this, this is so big to understand. Any way that God chooses is going to bring him glory and it's going to be for our good even when we can't see it right so here's our takeaway today as we close write this down god doesn't just make the best way he makes the way that is for our best now think about that for a second he doesn't just make the best way he makes the way that is for our best. That is, he's not just going to let you temporarily escape your captivity. It's the way that he's going to drown forever your identity as a slave. You see, why did he take them to the sea? Because if he hadn't, have, if he'd just taken them around it, they'd have always been looking over their shoulder 
And they'd always been known as the runaway slaves. And God said, I don't want you to experience temporary relief from your slavery. I don't want you to experience temporary relief from your bondage. I want you to be a new creation today. I want you to have total freedom. I want you to be that person who has a breakthrough. And I want you to be set free from the enemy that has pursued you all of your life. And for all of these years, I want you to be totally free from it. Not just for a Sunday. Not just for a week or a month or a year. I want you to be set free forever from it. Because you know who I am? I am the way maker. Jesus didn't say, I'll show you a way. He didn't talk about a way. He said, I am. And you're never going to lose your identity as a slave to the things that you're bound up to until you do it God's way. So I want to encourage you this morning as we close to put your trust in the way maker and understand that God's way is always the best way. Even when you can't see it, like the song says. Would you pray with me? As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you to do a couple things first before I pray. Okay? First of all, right now I want each person in here, each person listening or watching, I want you to name to the Lord right now something that is in your life where you feel stuck and trapped and that you feel no way out. I just want you to call that situation out to the Lord right now, just in your own heart, just between you and him. I want you to call that out to him. And I'm going to pause for just a moment and let you do that. And then the second thing I want you to do is I want you to tell God that you believe that he can make a way in your situation. And then I want you also to tell God that whatever way he chooses, whether it's to take you around it or to take you through it, that his way is okay and you're good with it. And so God, in the powerful name of Jesus, we declare that you are the way maker that there is no bondage, there's no captor, there's no trap that you cannot set us free from. And not just temporarily. God, you can change our identity and make us new creations who walk in freedom and not in fear. And so, God, we declare that you will make a way. We may not have seen it yet. It might be a way that only you can see. But we declare in faith, and we thank you in advance for the way that you will make and the way that you'll glorify your name and bring about what is for our good as well. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask it. All God's people said, amen. Let's all stand together as we praise and worship together. God bless you. Have a great rest of the weekend. And we look forward to seeing you Tuesday night for Freedom Fest. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.